Whoa, what a week of auto news have we had this week. And um, so it's going to be a great episode of Auto Catch Up. And uh, just to give you a little bit of a taste, we've got uh, the Hummer EV from GMC has been finally revealed. Uh, It's a monster of a vehicle. Uh, It's it's got a monster of a price tag to go with it. Uh, I've also got some great news coming out of um, supercars in terms of Gen 3, as well as Scotty Scotty McLaughlin and his plans for, for next year and sort of the next part of his his career and um we've even you know the 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 parts of the i i20n from hyundai have been revealed so it's going to be a cracker of an episode and um to talk through all of that with me i've got joel strickland at joel strick photo back again welcome back joel hi ash uh how have you been keeping yeah good this week uh not Mainly, not really car related, but I've been um, having a bit of flight time this week. I've been out flying my drone for some commercial work for some clients. Now, where they're allowed to to operate outside in limited capacity, um, yeah, I spent uh, quite a few hours flying uh, around uh, some industrial estates in uh, in Melbourne this week. So. Um, we had some nice weather too, which was good. So I managed to dodge the weather. We, um, like you guys in Sydney, you had our grand final and. Um, uh, in Brisbane, and and the weather hasn't been too good up there, but um, yeah, we were lucky to have some nice weather. So yeah, that uh, that kept me busy this week, uh, as well as um, you know, keeping an eye on the news because, like you said, it's been a massive week of news this week. Yeah, and um, I think we, I think we might have swapped weather with you guys because we yeah. copped um, weather all wet weather all yesterday and then we hosted the grand final for the AFL so that you know anybody tuning in who's been in a coma for a while would have been extremely confused and um, you know again we had some more storms I think we've got wet weather all throughout the rest of this week and um, but I got I got lucky I've uh, uh, we copped some copped some hail at home um, but I had thankfully had just head out to, to go to the shops and was undercover when that when that came across so it couldn't have uh, been better in terms of timing um, but it's certainly a reminder that we're, we're, we're sprinting head on into storm season um, to I guess top off 2020 as, as a year to remember or forget depending on what side you think um, but yeah so I've been driving the Outlander Exceed the petrol model and the FEV GSR which just got announced it just so happened that I when I was talking to the guys at Mitsubishi, they said, "Oh, hey, we've just had this one come in, um, and we've got a we've got some time available. And did you did you want to grab it?" And I, and I had a look at my schedule. And I was like, "Oh, actually, let's do these two back to back." And it's been a really interesting uh, week with both of these cars because they go to achieve a fairly similar thing, but go in totally different ways. Even though that you know, in terms of the the car itself, they're exactly the same, but. I was a little bit skeptical of the other, you know, the new GSR model being added to the FEV lineup um, rather than just sort of the Exceed model um, and a couple of other models which are focused just on a little bit more comfort. But this has become a surprisingly standout experience in the Outlander that has totally renewed my um, enthusiasm for not only the FEV, but I think the Outlander as well. In, in the past, I've known what it's trying to achieve and, and it does, you know, it does an okay job at it, but I haven't really, I've never fallen in love with it. And you can go back to previous episodes where we've been, you know, Mick and myself, we've been driving it and um, have sort of shared those similar types of experiences. But man, the FEV GSR, they, it's, it's just not a dressed up sport 
edition uh, where it's got, you know, some black trim and um, touched up interior and things like that. Like it does have those things, but it also has um, some new suspension thrown in there. So, and I think that is probably the thing paired with the electric motors and a couple other new features as well that really make this perhaps now the car to buy out of the Outlander lineup completely. Um, Not only does it drive a lot better because of the hybrid system, you have that that electric motor on the front and back really fill in that lack of torque, which the petrol motor has. And so it just takes off a lot more convincingly, a lot more smoothly. Um, It is much more enjoyable in traffic. Uh, on top of because of the added weight you do lose the two rear seats um so it's not a seven seater it is just a five seater but um it the the new suspension just handles the the weight of the car just so much better it is so so much there is a noticeable improvement with that with that updated suspension oh huge day and night um it is a lot more stable you can go through corners a lot you know, in a, in a, you don't, if you go through a corner quickly, you're not going to just throw everything in the car from one side to the other um, because of the, the momentum that's built in the soft suspension or anything. It is just so much more planted. It is so much more confident on the road. Um, no such thing as wheel spin. I haven't been able to get the wheels to spin even in the wet weather, which is a huge problem in light. Well, not a huge problem, but a, a noticeable um, annoyance in terms of driving experience because this is an always active all-wheel drive mode. Um, even with the electric motors where you do get a, a lot more torque, it is it just accelerates. It doesn't spin the wheels. It doesn't complain. It doesn't squeal. Um, it does understeer just a smidge, but that's okay. I think you're better off having a car that loves to understeer rather than a car that prefers to oversteer um, just for general road safety. So, But even then, it doesn't do it dramatically. It is very planted. It is a lot more comfortable. Um it isn't too hard either. They haven't gone the complete other spectrum in terms of ride and have just made it completely unbearable. Um, this is the absolute um, Goldilocks zone in terms of suspension setup, and it is just brilliant. It is great. Um, I'm also liking the the new seats. They're a little bit sportier. They have like a cloth Alcantara-like uh, center on the seats and leather surrounds on both the front and rear seats. You do have um, an updated steering wheel, so the other Outlanders don't have that current uh, steering wheel, so um, but it is a lot nicer to, to have the materials just feel better. Um, yeah, it, it, it's just completely renewed my experience and I found myself wanting to drive the GSR more um, over the Exceed, even though the Exceed model does have a few more niceties. So you do have a 360 camera, you do have a sunroof, but it was kind of like, ah, oh, I don't really care because the rest of the experience is that much better. Yeah, it's um, and how did you find? I did see you posted something during the week on the economy from the first yeah. trips with both. How did yeah. you find it over the sort of full week? Yeah, look, so that first trip that we did was basically from picking up the cars followed the exact same road, same traffic conditions on the way back home. And um, let me just pull that up again because I can't remember the figures 
off my head, but it was, it was like um point three yeah, for the so fev. Yeah, so we're able to basically do the entire trip home on electric, with exception and this is about of thirty k's, wasn't it? That's it. Yeah. So yeah. the full bat a full battery gets to about forty kilometers yeah. out of that charge, and then it falls back to being more of a traditional hybrid, kind of like what you you would experience with a Toyota hybrid. That's probably mm-hmm. the closest um, sort of experience. So driving and rigidity braking and stuff like that. Exactly. It, it, it then returns it back into the system. Yeah. So you can also change the mode. So either you can ask for the car to keep. Um, so like the save feature so it uses the internal engine a little bit more to save battery charge so in case Mm -hmm. this is more relevant to um, places in Europe and Asia where um, to meet emissions you have to be driving electric mode and that's what that feature is really handy for Um, but you also have a charge mode so you can use the motor um, to charge the battery full time Um, every time you stop and as you're driving so you do add um, a a bit of so like uh, a vault yeah exactly Um, if anybody remembers the vault it's been a little while since we've had it on sale here Uh, but yeah exactly exactly like that Um, it isn't as accomplished in terms of uh, the way the electric motors work compared to the Volt. It's still got a little bit of way to go uh, before it gets set. And we've already, you know, we've spoken about that in the past uh, with the Mitsubishi Outlander and its plug-in hybrid uh, technology. But it is, it has improved a lot. And um, yeah, so I think the comparison was 0.3 versus, um, what was it? Yeah, 0.2 for a 30 kilometer trip for and that's so basically 200 millimeter to 200 milliliters of petrol for a 30 kilometer trip versus um 7.6 liters uh per 100 on that same so 30 kilometer trip uh, yeah i suppose 7.6 yeah it'd be interesting to say so and have you got what's the update after a week yeah so we I didn't really purposely go out and charge the the FEV um, yeah. simply because it wasn't the primary vehicle we were testing this week. We have rebooked the the FEV down the line um, to spend some focused time in it, but we averaged out without going and actively charging and letting it drive in hybrid mode. Uh, it it sits around that six six and a half liters per one hundred where the the Outlander Exceed sits in that mid to late sevens for for fuel economy. So it is still better, but the ultimate, and it's just like the Ionic plug-in hybrid, your best case, uh, your, your case study that sets the gold standard of how you should be using a car like this is essentially you have your your home charger just plugged in, which is the one that came with the car. It plugs into your normal 10 amp plug at home. So you don't need any special um, chargers or you don't need to get an electrician out or anything. And as soon as you drive it home, whack it in, charge it, and you'll get, you know, um, I think it's about three and a half hours. You'll probably get, I think it's like 80% of your battery in there. And that should suffice you for most people for this, you know, the run to school and back, or at least majority of that type of trip. Um, and that's kind of where I think it really, that's how you get the most out of a plug-in hybrid vehicle at the moment is if you just essentially treat it like your mobile phone, you drive it home, you plug it, you plug it in, let it charge. And then it's kind of 
either fully charged or mostly ready for the next time you take it out again that's that's sort of i see how these plug-in hybrids with a you know with that small electric range really come in handy um and then it's just taking advantage of charges where they're available so today whilst i was waiting out that's that storm the local shopping center had um it's got four vehicle charges it's mm-hmm. not um they're not it's not a fast charger which yeah. will get that battery full in you know half an hour versus you know three to four hours but they charged at 6.6 kilowatts and um you know, so that was enough where so I how was long did there. That take? Uh, so I got about. Um, so if I wanted to get a full battery, it would take about three and a half hours. But okay. I got about 25, 30% battery mm-hmm. in about half an hour, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes. Roughly, if I if because I, I needed to get fuel as well, so I wasn't wanting to tell me any yeah. other information. But um, it's certainly one of those things that's nice to have, or even if you do need to stretch out until you get to the petrol station next, it is kind of like a handy backup way. I wouldn't fully rely on it, um, but it certainly is a way to sort of extend your your mileage that little bit, little bit more. But um, yeah, it it. The, the 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 interesting thing that I think um, really highlighted to me that the growth of electric vehicles, or at least mild hybrid electric vehicles, um, in terms of you know these types of plug-in hybrids, is the fact that normally when I've caught into this to the shopping center to try and charge, I've been you know one of two. If I'm lucky, people there out of four available spots. But today, on a weekend, it was fairly busy. Um, three out of four spots were always full. And yeah, right. at, when I came back the next time, all four spots were full and one person was leaving. And we had a mixture of, so there was a, a Model X charging mm-hmm. and then we had the fev gsr and then we had um initially a mercedes a glc 330e yeah um, right. so they okay. were plugged in using an adapter cable mm-hmm. and then when i came back the next time the mercedes was leaving but there was another fev um mitsubishi outlander there and uh, then I left to go and came back again because I was checking the weather at the same time um the there was a the the Tesla had left and um a Nissan Leaf had pulled in um oh, wow. the first generation so yeah it was it was a constant turnover and all I could think of is that out of a shopping center as large as it was which has got thousands of car parks only four of them are charging yeah. capable and you look at that story that came out during the week stats talking about EV charging points and stuff around the country you know queensland is obviously logically the third biggest market for ev sales in the country um and they're saying that you know there's only 59 dc charges in the state 336 ac charges so it's just under 400 charges in in the state of that size so yeah you know and i still have to to get to that charging point i still have to travel like 15 k's to get to it yeah from home and so and that is logically the closest one for me there is a coles closer um but i need my own cable mm-hmm. to plug in yeah right and okay. not every manufacturer includes that so nissan yeah. are pretty good with including a number of different cables like your home charger and then the cable that you can use um to a standalone charging box but um you know 
outlet, you know, Mitsubishi don't include it. They just include the home charger. Um, in my experience, Hyundai are the same as well. They just include the home charger because logically, you know, that's where most people are probably going to do their charging and then they'll be hopefully finding, you know, seeking out a, a fast charger. Mm-hmm. Um out and about but it is handy having that cable because that coals with that um charger you know it is it is only a six kilowatt charging spot but if you if i desperately need to plug in to get a little bit faster charge than i would get at home whilst they're doing a spot of shopping or you know catching up with someone or something like that um that is definitely very handy uh but it's not ideal no you know, like that's so there's it's, no it's, it's inconvenient still, and that's why I think a plug-in hybrid right now, in in Queensland at least, just makes a lot more sense because you can tr- basically trickle charge as you go when available, and um, you know save fuel along the way. But your primary goal isn't to drive in 100% electric mode all the time um, because it's just a little bit too hard. Like a Leaf is a little bit too much maintenance. Mm-hmm. in in Brisbane um, unless you happen to live in a you know in Hamilton in in the inner city we just literally drive down your street and you've got a, a fast charger there or you live in Clayfield or you know near Toomble but if you're nowhere near that if you live on the south side of Brisbane you basically with exception for a couple of dealers which are never really that easy outside of business hours to try and use like it's just not available to you um you, you have no options and that becomes a really big issue when your car only has a, a range of what 270 kilometers mm. you know that's that's you, you, you'd be pushing it to go for a trip down to the coast and back um and it's only until you start going to like the the longer range evs like even the kona um or the model three you know the where you can start to um, you know, forget about that range anxiety a little bit because you, you're getting about four to 500 kilometers um, to play with. And that's, you know, sort of what you do in a typical week for a lot of people. And so you, you stress about it all less every couple of days. Um, but again, you, you're going to have to travel to a fast charger to, to be able to, you know, fill up that battery in a, any sort of reasonable amount of time. Um or be prepared to spend a few more thousand dollars putting in a fast charger in your house. And you've got to be hoping that you're going to be living there for a few more years because um, it's not that easiest thing to just go, oh, look, we're going to take that with us when you move. Yeah, it's not that simple. (laughs) No. All right, but uh, let's jump into some news. So motorsport, it's been a bit of a a busy week. Um, First bit of news is at the 2021, so next year's Bathurst 12-hour. It's called off for for the meantime. Yeah, so this was something that we kind of expected, um, you know, due to travel restrictions and obviously international arrivals in Australia and stuff like that. No team Mm. wants to, as much as they'd like to come for an extra two weeks in quarantine, um, and being in Australia for an extra two weeks longer than being at the 12 hour, it's just not feasible. Um, you know, the guys from World Time Attack made that decision earlier in the year and they obviously knew way ahead of time that that was the same thing for them for their event this year, which was, you know, is usually around this time every year. Um, yeah, I feel sorry for the guys at the 12 hour. Um, you know, they put such a good, great event together and there's a lot of fans that are disappointed. But look, making the call now um, and putting it off till next year, or not next year, the year after, um, it just makes it, you know, more people will plan 
ahead. It gives them another 12 months of planning and, and you know, finding a budget and, and pulling stuff together for that. But, uh, yeah, it'll be definitely be back uh, in 2022. Um, but the talk is, is that uh, it will become a sprint round um, because the date is still obviously one of those limited days where the track is allowed to be closed for multiple days and, and can be used as a racetrack. There are only limited to five of those sort of times a year for the track through Bathurst Council approvals. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it uh, it will probably be a sprint round. And that's that's the rumour at the moment is that we'll start the season next year for supercars. So yeah. um, it'll probably won't be a, you know, won't be a thousand and won't be a 500k race. It'll probably be maybe a couple of 250s or a couple of 125s. Yeah, because it's something with the licensing of the naming yeah, rights or something, Yeah, the 500 is licensed to the TCR group um, for yeah. their international event, at, which was obviously also postponed. Uh, this year till next year but yeah. um yeah so they'll run a couple of sprint rounds which will be pretty cool to watch um i've already talked to a couple of friends about maybe going up and having a look if we're allowed to travel so yeah that might be a, a boys weekend uh, early next year for that um so yeah that look it, it's sad but it's you know it's good that they're thinking ahead of time and and sort of putting putting it uh the plans forward a year instead so yeah, no, it's. Uh, I think it's just a, a logical thing. Um, not really surprising to too many people with that one, no. um, particularly with uh, the, re, the you know the sort of the, the numbers coming out of Europe as well. Yeah. At the moment, but um, but yeah, it's a it's a great and event. It's not just it's not wait. just Europe that it, you know affects it. There's a lot oh, of European of course, teams. Yeah. There's yeah. You know, throughout Asia, we had to get a couple of teams from America as well. Yeah. And you know, it's just like we as a country will probably be open up for internally, hopefully by Christmas. Yeah. So you know, we'll be able to travel. But it, it's just the international aspect and, and planning. You know, most of these guys are, are all. The cars are all sent by container, so they're all sent by sea. So it's kind of this time of year that they're packing cars in the containers. So mm. it enables guys to, to to hold off on that process until next year. Oh, it wouldn't be great if we had a twelve-hour supercar yeah. uh, round. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know if that'd be out of you know who knows if they'd go the distance um, in the current spec, but you know one could dream. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, one other Australian. Um, event that's uh, pushing ahead though is um, basically the Australian Rally Championship. It uh, looks like they've confirmed their calendar for, for next year. Yeah, so what's happened with a lot of motorsport, Jeremy, we've also seen it with Formula E this week, have also announced that they're announcing their calendar moving forward for next year. Is A lot of people have been doing it in parts. We yeah. saw it with supercars as well this year. They did, um, you know, sort of the first half of the championship and then we're waiting to confirm the latter half. Um, the mm. ARC um, announced their first uh, three rounds last month um, and have now announced their next three rounds for the, the back end of the season. Um, so we kick off with a test um, in my um, state, which is good, in, in Feb in Ballarat. So hopefully I might be able to make it along and, and check that out. Uh, yeah. And then the first round is um, Capital Rally in Canberra in March. Then Forest Rally, which again, hopefully I, I might make it to in, in May, possibly. Uh, and then Rally Taz, which will, will be cold in June. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Having grown up in Tassie and know what it's like in a winter in Tassie, that will not be a fun event for anyone that's outside of a car. It will be chilly. Gippsland Rally in Victoria in August. Uh, and then um, Adelaide Hills Rally in October. And then the final round, because Rally Australia is not happening next year in Australia, will be an FIA Asia Pacific round um, in November. But their location is to be confirmed. So um, that's 
an interesting TV, TBC mm-hmm. as to where it'll be. I'm not sure. There's a couple of ideas that's been floated around. Um, but yeah, the fact that it'll be a, an Asia Pacific round, the fact that it'll be November, like it's you know tw- yeah. 13 months away, hopefully we'll be able to get some um, other teams from you know Asia Pacific in, and the guys won't have to quarantine and stuff like that. We might be allowing people in without quarantining by that time. Um, so yeah, it's good to see that they've got a confirmed um, championship. We didn't even really have one this year for for the ASC, which was uh, sad to see. Um, but yeah, let's hope that this all goes ahead and and we get a full uh, a full championship next year. Absolutely, it's a yeah. It, at least at least uh, I think these event organizers are getting a little bit of a better idea of what could be coming ahead. Um, mm. You know, even though right now travel isn't as as much. You know, it's not that possible. However, um, you know, it's great to see that they're going ahead with uh, next year's plans with a little bit of optimism as well. Yeah, it is. It's great. Yeah. All right. Well, tell me, um, tell me a little bit about uh, Gen Three supercars because they're saying they could uh, be costing a, you know, less than three hundred fifty thousand um, dollars for the, you know, this new spec that's coming in twenty twenty two. So yeah, we talked a little bit about Gen Three last week. Yeah. Uh, because more of the news is coming out that they're going to go with a more traditional road car profile, particularly around Mustang and and the Chevs with the Camaros and, and stuff like that. So the other part of Gen 3 and, and every generation effectively, these cars have been trying to evolve and cost-cutting has been one of the fundamental things they've been trying to do to, to reduce the pricing down so that you know yeah. it, it, these cars don't cost anywhere near as much as what they, they used to cost. Um, you know, it's current generation. They're saying, you know, almost three quarters of a million dollars of, you know, car including engine and, mm-hmm. and everything else. So they, they're wanting to bring it in a target for around 350000 which is like a, a bold statement, you know, you, you're over half the, the cost of what they're costing now. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's exciting because, you know, for, for the teams, you know, you, you could effectively build two of these cars for the cost of one of them now. So, you know, yeah. more teams might then have spares um you know they may want to then choose to run more wild cards and stuff like that you know we've seen wild cards run at yeah. a couple of events we might this even, year might even see some more um other teams come in as i think they're also exploring the idea of a like a white label engine so it's so it's basically an off-the-shelf engine they can easily pick up without needing to develop their own mm. power plant as well which could be an attractive option for um you know a few teams particularly maybe some gc3 international teams that might not be able to to travel overseas maybe they will go hey look let's have a look at this um as an alternative option to to you know compete in motorsport at a high level yeah look i don't know just i think the big ideas the the big thing with that is is allowing more brands in we really want to see more brands so you know there's been rumors of bmw toyota honda kia um, you know, Nis- Nissan coming back in, you know, it's, it's probably not a logical sense now that they've moved away from that area. But yeah, who knows? This, well, look, this may, may reattract could, could see You could see the 400Z, you know, the GTR, yeah. the, the, you know, question marks around a, that is a, vehicle. Is but a perfect exactly. car to, to bring back in if they were to go down that route because 
you yeah. know, that, that new Z car is a sports car. It is a halo car. It is going to go up against, you know, the Camaro and the Mustang. And, you know, we've talked about Stinger and, you know, be something like a, a Beamer mm. or, you know, Hyundai with some of their models and stuff. Oh, like that. And, and I wonder if there's space even for, you know, the Supra to fit in that because yeah. they are racing that overseas. Um, imagine, you know, it'd be a... It almost be a is it Group A? It's almost it could be a pseudo return to that in a way. It's um, a bit like Super GT. In, they used to run a pre yeah, in, yeah. in that in in Japan overseas. Yeah. But the biggest restriction at the moment is 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 in supercars not re- well well releasing more of the wrecks which are racing entitlement contracts and that's license that a team mm. must have to run a car. So each car has a wreck assigned to it so they've moved around over the years and we'll, we'll talk about it next when we talk about the silly season that, that's happening at the moment in terms of yeah. where wrecks are moving and things like that yeah. at the moment supercars still re- retain a couple of them so teams can buy them back if supercars were to, were to release them so i think our full field can be up to 28 cars and we're currently sitting at about 24 i think mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and so it would be good to see you know a few more of those come in or release some of those those wrecks so that more teams could then come in and we could get, like you said, a couple of new teams that are created. But, you know, like we're saying, with this kind of money, $350,000 for a car when you're paying six hundred before, that makes it much more affordable for, say, some of the smaller teams mm-hmm. to be able to afford and to maintain their cars because parts are cheaper. You know, there's more generic things. There's even the possibility, like you said, of this white-labeled engine and stuff like that. So, yeah, it certainly makes it interesting. And, and this new Generation 3, I think we mentioned it last week, but there's also talk of this new Generation 3 platform being ready to take a form of hybrid technology as well. So, yeah. you know, we, we see it currently in F1. We're, we're seeing it in IndyCar in the future. They're talking about, um, you know, IndyCar becoming more um, hybrid focus and just watching some of the stuff early this morning from from St. Petersburg, the, the last race of the season, those Indy cars don't even have electric starters. They have to be they have to be manually started from a from like a a jump start pack to, to be able to get those things to start. So you know mm. the, this hybrid technology we see it in F one. It'd be good to see it move into other areas um, because of you know the technology and what and what it can what it encompasses and we've talked so much about electric cars and so many brands are working in that platform you know we're talking formula e we've talked extreme e you know there's there's more of it happening so the more of this that they're open to i think the more exciting the season sort of becomes absolutely and i think it's so so next year sort of serves as a good segue to the next um bit of news so it's it in light of you know those potential changes so we've had a couple of interesting things so penske uh team penske have decided to not continue with supercars and um and the follow-up news is that dick johnson racing will actually be making return under that um so it'd be the first time since 2014 since dick johnson racing has actually raced under its own banner uh rather than under the penske banner uh but then there's the bittersweet side of that as well is that we're actually um it's, you could almost say it's been an interesting recruiting tool uh, for Penske because what they've done is they're, they're leaving supercars, but they're taking Scotty McLaughlin with them um, and giving him a full-time seat in IndyCar uh, next year. So he's going, is he? So he's, and he'll be teaming up with uh, Will Power. Is that is that right? If Correct. Yeah, yeah, so Will, uh, Will is one of their, um, is one of the, 
Penske drivers. Uh, they have quite a um, uh, they have quite a lineup. Penske. They also have Joseph Newgarden. Now Newgarden is currently fighting for the championship, mm-hmm. um, and um, Will Power is actually on pole for the St. Petersburg race that's happening to, tomorrow, um, Monday early our time. Um, so yeah, then they also have Simon Pagano, and then they obviously got Scott. So they've got a four car lineup next year. Um, now Penske has been obviously with COVID and everything has been reconsolidating his interest in motorsport. They've, they've announced that they're pulling out of obviously DJR and it'll become DGR next year and not DGR uh, Penske. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the control of that team will fall to um, Dr. Ryan Story um, and also Dick Johnson, which is great to see. They will also still be in charge of the homologation of the Mustang for Gen Three, mm-hmm. um, so that's you know that's great commitment, and I think they're still having a relationship with Ford and a strong relationship with Ford Australia, so that's fantastic for the team to continue. Um, but Pinsky has also pulled out of sports cars. Um, he has been running an Acura team in um, the the sports car series over there, so he's putting a lot into IndyCar. Um, his company now actually owns Indianapolis as well. Uh, and it was funny looking at, you know, Scott's had a whirlwind, you know, trip from when he left on Sunday to, you know, they left him and his wife Carly left early Monday morning and flew to uh, to Charlotte, North Carolina to literally go into the simulator and he spent time in the simulator and then he's flown down to St. Petersburg to in Florida to get ready for this weekend. Uh, and, you know, he's the talk of the town, like watching the coverage for practice and qualifying for, for the race this week. Um, he's the talk of the town. All the commentators are talking about him. You know, they're all interviewing. They're, everyone's trying to watch him. He was super quick in a couple of the in, – in the practice session. Um, he ran old tyres to begin with, put on a set of black – um, which are the effectively the more used kind of like the the mediums in Formula One, um, mm-hmm. and he ran uh, put on a fresh set of those and ran a super quick time, uh, and then he came in and changed over to to what they call sticker reds, which is obviously like the softs in Formula One, and was about to go out and set some hot times on that, and they had a red flag. So mm-hmm. it was interesting to see what he could do. Um, unfortunately, qualifying is only 10 minutes um, and he couldn't get the car warmed up enough with the tyres to, to put down a good time. And so he will start um, further down the field. He'll start from 21st for tomorrow's race. Uh, but, you know, it's exciting. If you get a chance, check out his social media. He posted a wonderful tribute video to the team to thank them for everything that he's done and for the fans. And then, you know, also to thank Penske for what uh, he has he is doing, uh, allowing him to go to IndyCar. And, yes, he will be a full-time driver for Penske uh, next year in the championship. And uh, it's going to be exciting to watch that because we're going to have two Kiwis and an Australian running in IndyCar, which is you know, predominantly the, the biggest open-wheeling uh, championship behind Formula One, but also the biggest open-wheeler series in the US. Yeah, uh, and, and, that's, yeah. and I think that's the big separator, isn't it? In the US, Formula One hasn't just managed to... <laughs> You know, to get the attention that you know Indy has, and look at the number of teams and cars and sponsors yeah. that that Indy has over there. It's insane. Oh, exactly. And, you, and we, as we've talked previously on the show, Jimmy Johnson will be running next year as well. Yeah. Um, in a car, and you know that's exciting for them. Um, they run on ovals. They run on road courses. They, you know, they have the the biggest one day sporting event in the world, the Indy Five Hundred. Um, so yeah, that's you know that's pretty exciting stuff for 
you know, for us fans, as I said, we've got Will Power, who's the Aussie, and then Scotty Dixon, who's the other Kiwi running against with Scotty next year. So, yeah, I'm really excited. I can't wait to watch. I'm getting up early tomorrow to watch Cheer Scotty on. Um, he's hoping for a top 10 finish. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. It's a, it's a really tight track. Um, it's actually used over a, an active airport. Um, so it's partial street circuit over part of they use part of the runway to for the one of the straights. So it's an interesting course to watch. Um, so I decided to, to to watch that uh, tomorrow and to follow him next year. But as I said, you know, there's a lot going on. Um, there's a lot of rumours happening now. With obviously, like you said, with silly season for next year. Um, yeah. The talk is that that uh, GR will have a full new lineup. Uh, and the unfortunate thing is that look looks like Fabian Coulthard will possibly lose his ride next year, um, which is which is sad to see because he's been with the team um, and has you know has performed well, but nowhere near as obviously as what Scotty's done. So mm. he's going to be an uh, an open looking for an open seat. But the talk is at the moment that it'll go to um, uh, the, the is Will Davidson will possibly take one of. Um, the, the seats next year at at uh, at, at DJR um, because he's a, a actually out in the open because he you know he lost his ride during the year um, and then Anton Di Pasquale is also out of contract at Erebus and he's the other rumor to go to um, DJR next year so that could be interesting a whole new lineup two new drivers for them. Erebus have probably have already signed um, Will Brown for next year, and we also already know that um, they've also signed up. Um, oh, I've got a mental blank. Um, their other driver for um, David Reynolds. Sorry, mental blank. I'm reading names and getting confused. <laughs> Reynolds has already signed for like a ten year contract with Erebus, so they're they're fully signed. Um, but the other interesting talk is this, that Tim Blanchard is expected to move his wreck, his racing entitlement contract, away from Brad Jones Racing, and he is talking to buying, talking to Phil Money to buy the wreck that um, Tickford used to run Courtney this year, so that Blanchard is going to go and start his own new team. So there's another set of two cars with two new. Possibly who's going to be in there. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you've got me or you're bringing sponsors, you could be going to this new whatever, you know, I would probably say it could be Cool Drive Racing because if Blanchard's using, you know, that's his business that he's used and he's kind of run his wreck under that name. So we could could see Cool Blood, uh, Cool Drive Racing run under that banner. Um, you know, there's also interesting what then happens at Tickford with Courtney confirmed to go to Tickford next year. Who loses? They've only got three wrecks. What happens to, you know, who loses the seat? I, I can't see them um, getting rid of um, uh, the, 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 the unsure one is probably, you know, with um, uh, is probably the, is the, is possibly the monster energy um, uh, car. Is, is, is signed for next year, really. And then so you probably look at, you know, someone like maybe Jack LeBrock um, or Lee Holdsworth, you know, they're possibly up in the air. Um, you know, you just you just don't know. So there, there's interesting stuff happening. Um, there's lots of sort of talk and stuff like that. Um, you know, where does where does Fabs fall in terms of things? Does, does he still have a drive? Um, yeah, it, it, it kind of makes it, uh, it makes it interesting 
to see where um, you know where everyone falls in terms of that respect, you know, with rep mm. movements and and things like that. So yeah, I think um, you know Scotty Scotty's Scotty's left and, and moved and moved away, but he's kind of you know the the like they say the silly season has kind of really hotted up at the end of the day um you know will tim slade possibly look at trying to get back into a seat you know will he stay as a as a co-driver what happens to tony delberto who's been a an, an outstanding co-driver for yeah. fabs over at you know at um dgr so does he stay with you know is his contract still with dgr or does he move with fabs and goes wherever fabs ends up um, you know, it, it, yeah, it makes for interesting, like I said before, the monster car, which is obviously sponsored, which is run by Cam Waters. I mean, Cam, I think would, with his performance this year and his, his own win away from winning the, the Sandown 500, I think he's a, he's a lock in for Tickford next year alongside whatever, you know, Courtney will probably again have that, um, uh, that boost sponsorship. So, you know, does, do they go and buy, they don't go and buy a record as, um, the guy from Boost go and buy a wreck from somewhere yeah. else or buy it from supercars. So, yeah, look, it, it's interesting. And I think it'll uh, it, it'll be an interesting look to see what, what happens, you know, coming into over the next, next few months as uh, silly season hots up. Yeah, I think it's oh, look. <laughs> like we said, it, it's not straightforward, is it? It's just um, no. it's, a, it's a big, long uh, sort of time of now that the season's finished now that some of these you know these teams can go home to their families as well um you know the real side of the business will start to to happen and churn because obviously none of these teams want to delay starting development either uh for next year and then you know as i said we said last week supercars are already building a a tester gen 3 Mm -hmm. and both um, obviously the guys over at um red bull and obviously um DGR will be working with both the other brands, both GM and Ford, to start homologation for the Ford mm-hmm. version and and the Camaro version of this new Gen Three car, and then anyone else. And like we said before, like we talked about last week again with Walkinshaw, they're talking. Maybe they're talking to another brand. Could we see you know one of them also homologating something for another brand? So mm-hmm. yeah, it's 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 an exciting exciting time, um, and it should be a really really interesting off season. Yeah, well, and one thing that could make somebody's Christmas maybe a little bit more exciting than uh, Supercars news is Ken Block's 2016 Ford Focus um, going for sale. So that's been sold via auction for... um, uh, It's a... charitable cause yeah team um, team rubicon which is yeah. mission is providing relief to those affected by disaster uh, natural disasters and it helps with um military veterans working with first responders and and technology solutions to help people in in these kind of disasters so um those familiar with jim carter nine will remember the ford focus rs rx um with mm-hmm. um one of the pictures that Barrett and Jackson, who was selling the car, have got on the listing is it almost sliding off that jetty um, when That's it right. ran, that, ran that thing. So the car ran uh, um, ran in that, um, and it sold over the weekend for $200,000, So, which I would have thought for something of that uniqueness for him to actually sell one of his cars um, and obviously you know, probably donate it through... Um, Barrett-Jackson for this cause, I would have thought it would have gone for more money. I mean, yeah. it is a tough time for a lot of people in, 
in the US, but this thing is um, is pretty cool to, to It's a to pretty have. niche thing, though, yeah. I guess, uh, for some people, but it is certainly a, a hell of a conversation piece yeah, for somebody. Exactly. Yeah, great. Whoever's bought it, I hope they put it in the collection and put it on display somewhere, but um, in fine block style just before he drove it onto the... Um, he drove it onto the block when it was being auctioned. He actually did a drop to burnout in the car park in it, so... <laughs> um, you know, which is always good to, good to see. So he, uh, yeah, he had fun fun with that, um, and yeah, it's cool to see that it's gone to a new home. It's it's weird for, to to see him sort of sell a car. Um, yeah, so many so many of his cars have, um, you know, he, he still has. He he posted a photo when he changed wheel supplier a couple of months ago and had a photo of them all, you know, in his workshop in in Salt Lake. And mm. uh, yeah, it's um. Yeah, it's pretty cool to to, to to for your ability to go and, to go and have this and, and and own it. So I wonder whether it uh, it's a full working uh, car as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, following up on that, um, Travis Pastrana, um, some footage is leaked out of them doing uh, not just a jump, but jump over a marina over yeah. water with a speedboat going underneath. And um, obviously, this is part of the the lead up to the next Gymkhana and um, yeah I think it's, a, it's an excellent way to sort of raise uh, raise everyone's um, hype levels <laughs> for yeah, this new video well the car we talked about the car last week on, on the show yeah. um, and the fact that it was being uh, it's been, it had been released in its bare bodywork, and then during the week again we had an update of the actual paintwork on it an interesting mm. design between Travis and, and the guys at Hoonigan and it's very bright very very Gymkhana style paintwork as you can imagine the cool yellow yeah. wheels and everything but uh, this sort of filtered through just just today um, this footage obviously a lot of people knew about it because there's lots of different angles and um, there's yeah. lots of YouTube footages, footage flying, flying around but cool to see they've got an actual big offshore powerboat that it jumps over as well and it was filmed in Annapolis um, which is apparently the hometown for Travis I didn't actually realise yeah, he was right. an okay. Annapolis boy but it does bring back a lot of memories um, of when Travis did that first massive massive um, jump um, years ago. Oh, was that in the mini? No, that, he was did, that him. Uh, he did one um, in a Subaru on New Year's Eve. Oh, right. Um, okay. Many years ago, um, uh, in a Subaru in where was it? Um, where was it? I think it was. Because he did the Evil Knievel motorbike jump a couple of years ago at New Year's in, in Vegas. Um, but many years ago, he actually did one over uh, in Long Beach at New Year's um, yeah, in, right. a, um, in a Subaru. And so it was very, very familiar, you know, in that sort of sense. But uh, one thing that a lot of people picked up from the footage, and when you watch it, it's quite interesting that um, they're running a some form of uh, like pit limiter to keep it at the right speed. Mm. for the jump so it the whole way through the footage all you can hear is the car bouncing off the off the off the rev limiter so yeah. it was obviously set at a at a point for him to just literally floor it keep his foot flat to the floor and it would obviously peg at the right speed so they obviously knew what the speed needed to be um for yeah. it to then be able to make the jump at the right height they i heard a story recently that the guys were saying when they used to set up the jumps for um, 
rallycross in the US and they used to have the wonderful tabletop crossover jumps and stuff like that. Whenever they were setting up to test them, they'd always say, oh, let Travis go and do it. He knows how to do a jump. So they're always getting him to go and do the, the first <laughs> test jumps of them yeah. um, to be able to see it. So, yeah, obviously they've started, um, you know, as to how much of this footage uh, they're shooting, whether, the, you know, this is part of the jump and then the rest is all going to be put together over a period of time. Um, you know, I, I'm not actually sure, but, yeah, it's good to see they've already started um, and, you know, how long we have to wait for the actual for it to um, to be edited, shot, uploaded, yeah, yeah. And whatever else, and whether this is just a, a warm up jump. Um, the guys at Jalopnik are saying that it's for an upcoming Hoonigan video, but could that be just a one off video, or could it be you know this is part of Jim Carner? So um, yeah, it's interesting to see. Um, mm. Check out the footage; it's uh, interesting to, to to check out, and yeah, it's impressive. So if this is yeah. just part of Jakarta, <laughs> what mm-hmm. else have they got planned? Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's move on to some F1 now. Uh, so Kevin Magnuson and Roman Grosjean, um, this week news came out that they'll be leaving Haas F1 team at the end of the season. So they'll be wrapping up um, their five-year and four-year stint at Haas and um, their future is a little bit unknown. But the, the reasoning that came out is simply because of financial reasons. Haas F1 um, isn't probably the, you know, <laughs> building on upon some uh, Ferrari engine issues this season, but, you know, they haven't really been the best performers on the track so far. And um, I think there's a there's a few up-and-comers coming through that have that bring a little bit more sponsorship money uh, that could be helpful for Haas next year and obviously this, you know, season's following that. Um there so so look it's something that we weren't none of us were really that surprised i don't think that this news came through we kind of it's um it's sort of i think the writing's been on the wall for for a little while it's just uh the question is about who's going to replace them potentially they could be doing two rookies or even um one other rumor i saw is jovanazzi could be moving from alfa romeo over that one that's a a new another new one i've heard this week (laughs) yeah so so that one apparently and you know what they're saying is uh it's it's very tough having two rookies um, in a in in a team because mm. how do you get that development feedback from yeah. from it, it's just not the same level of quality. But Giovinazzi has been driving for, um, you know he he's been working with Kimi Raikkonen and uh, the potential is that yeah he could be valuable um, in that sense, but also be a, perhaps a little bit cheaper um, compared to a lot of other experienced drivers out on the on the road. Other ones have been Hulkenberg, um, Perez, but I think um, realistically those two drivers probably wouldn't be too keen um, on those drives with the prospects they have at the moment. I think they'd like to go, even if they are going to a midfield team, a strong midfield competitor compared to, um, you know... Uh, uh, sort of a team that's sort of bringing up the rear alongside Williams, um, but yeah, but but that's the one bit of news, and obviously we'll, we'll see more as it develops, particularly with that second seat at Red Bull. There's a lot of um, a lot of even though it there's seems like talk. there's not a lot of seats available, there's a lot of seats available and a lot of talk around yeah. who could fill it. Um, I think so. We'll keep you updated on that. But the other interesting one is Oscar Piastri, um, the Aussie. Uh, he'll be testing in Bahrain. 
is it next week um, with the 2018 spec Renault um, F1 car? So that'll yeah, be a great and a opportunity bunch of other, for him. Uh, F2 drivers are going to have yeah. a, a steer, which is which is pretty exciting. So yeah, he's driving it next Friday, so just under a week's time, as part of a four-day test where three other, or him and two other Renault Academy um, drivers will um, will get their first steer in. Uh, um, in you know, in an F one, in a well previous gen F one car. Yeah. So there's some photos that appeared during the week that. Um, um, sorry, stupid ads playing uh, and losing my concentration. Um, on ads on sites that you don't need to be listening to. Um, <laughs> oh, it's just those well, auto, so auto playing is- ads. But yeah, the, yeah. the interesting thing is is that um, uh, you know, there's some photos appeared during the week of him having his seat fitting. Um, you know, and, he, and you know he is the next logical to follow in, obviously Weber and Ricardo's footsteps. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a lot of the guys are, are big fans of him, and he's done an amazing job. Um, you know, and he's such a such a great talent. So yeah, we can only hope that you know he will be following uh, in the footsteps, and yeah. and we're seeing this F two progression into F one, and one of the rumours. That of talk of coming into um, F1 next year is obviously Mick Schumacher. Could yeah. he be ending up in one of these, you know, spots at Haas, um, you know, or he could be going, you know, to somewhere like Alpha, Alpha like you see if G- yeah. Giovinazzi moves. Um, you know, the thing is, is that I think I think a few people would be secretly hoping that Mick Schumacher goes to Alpha and yeah. not Haas. Um, I think that, and also because what I'm seeing is um, the the rumours that I've I've read uh, that basically Kimi Raikkonen's seat is there until he doesn't want it. Yeah. Um, and he is known, um, quite well known to be an excellent driver for development. And um, I think there's just something that everybody wants to see is having a, a Raikkonen and Schumacher names back together yeah. um, on the grid. And and, yeah. and having <laughs> having them in the same team and, and exactly. stuff like that. But, you know, the other talk is, is that, you know, Red Bull will possibly look outside of um, their current pool of drivers if if Albon is replaced. Um, oh, who know. else do they have to to Well, to they're recruit? talking. You know, they're talking <laughs> of going for someone that's not a junior. You know, they may talk of bringing up um, uh, someone from the clothing team. Um, you know, but you know, Gasly from AlphaTauri is you know, a, a pick. You know, he has he. Had the role and then lost it, and then he could come back. But you know, they're also talking. Is the biggest? I think the biggest question that everyone's going to want to know next year is where is Hulk going to end up? Where will Hulkenberg yeah. end up? You know, well, I think I think Hulkenberg would would actually make an excellent teammate with Verstappen. Yeah, he is a solid number two driver. Um, has obviously shown that he has the ability to score good points. Yeah, putting him in a, um, in a, like a, in a somewhat too. competitive car. Like I think that's the key difference. And um, yeah, I think he would be a great supporting driver. And I don't think he'll be a t- contender for the championship, but I think he'll definitely be. He has the potential of driving a car that maybe isn't fully set up for him. Because look at what he did with. Um, you know, the racing opportunities he's had this season in completely, yeah. you know, in cars that are not set up for him at all. No. And, jumped in um, Perez's car and, and, you know, he did a, did a great job and, and same Jumped in Stroll's car. Yeah. Jumped in Stroll's so, car as well. So. Exactly. So I think that is where the opportunity lies. There's even talk around Ocon 
um, not holding on to his, his Renault seat. So um, there's a lot of, you know, like, like I said, there's a lot of bloody drama still to mm. go with seats. And I think a lot of teams looking at, well, what opportunities are there? And um, what exit clauses can we also execute to, yeah. to get the right driver? Because I'm sure Renault is salivating at, you know, getting Hulkenberg. You know, I'm not sure how the dynamic would work, but Alonso and Hulkenberg could be an interesting combination. Um you know, Verstappen and Hulkenberg could be an interesting. And also, the other question is, where does Perez go? He carry, he brings a lot of sponsorship dollars with him as well, and so it's like I don't think any team can can scoff at that. And he has been performing relatively well this season as well um, as a way to sell himself as a as a driver. And yeah, it's um it's kind of a funny one, and I, I just don't know where we're going to end up. And yeah, so a couple how of, long a couple- it will take for that. Because silly of, season has been the entire season so far. Yeah, um, it hasn't exactly it started yeah. and and hasn't finished. And it's jumped around. So we're going to have two great silly seasons to watch as well. Even over at IndyCar, there's a couple of interesting moves and stuff happening as well. So you know yeah. it's going to be a very interesting off season before we all kick off. You know, sort of early yeah. early next year. Yeah. All right. So what's this uh, supercharged SUV race series? So this landed in my inbox during the week and uh, piqued my yeah. interest. Um, I think the, it came out of the UK, so it kind of arrived at a, an opportune time. I was reading the emails first thing in the morning and this had a chance to actually delve into this and actually read through what it is. So it's a new series um, featuring fully electric crossovers. So, you know, could be we talk, um, you know, marquees, we talk... Uh, yeah. um, you know, anything from Hyundai, Kia, this sort of stuff, you know, this smaller, more compact middle SUV. They've got a t- they've got a series that's going to run through um, the Asia-Pacific, China, Europe, Middle East, and the USA, pitting 16 top-class top drivers against each other. Um, they're all going to be based on road, road car-based race cars called SC001s. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing the cars will be built, then they'll obviously have maybe changeable body kit to suit the brands. Uh, so kind of like the supercars, car of the future platform. Sort of, from what I'm led to believe. They'll boast yeah. 500 kilowatt, 670 horsepower power from the battery system, 0 to 100 in just 2.5 seconds, similar to that of an F1 car. 15 races per event, maximum six lap duration. Uh, on short, easy to view 1K circuits featuring... Super loop, water gantry, and two point five meter high jump. Um, so it makes for it makes for interesting. It's a one and a half day event format, um, and obviously being electric, you know the noise is going to be nowhere near as much. So mm. you put them, you know, effectively anywhere. But the interesting thing is, is the lot of the people that are involved in the series. Um, you look at it, reading through it, and a lot of it is. Um, people that have got X involvement in sort of that IMG branding and, and things like that. So people that have actually got, um, you know, experience in running these high caliber events for, for um, you know, big brands and, and involved in big areas with sort of big budgets and, um, and that sort of stuff. So, yeah, it's interesting. So it's not coming till 2022. Uh, they're going to have a race in the States, three races in Europe, one race in the Middle East, uh, one race in China. It says two for the Asia Pacific, but doesn't actually say where. So mm. hopefully Motorsport Australia are talking to these guys to talk about maybe um, you know bringing bringing an event here. 
um, which would be which would be pretty cool to see if that was the case. Um, so yeah, it uh, it makes for it makes for very interesting interesting reading, um, and it'll be interesting to see what uh, what it becomes um, and who's involved. Um, I'm pretty sure I can't. F- yes, there was a quote that the other thing that made me jump to this was that Tanner Faust um, actually made a comment. Uh, about was quoted in this press release as whether it's saying that he's being involved and whether he's going to be you know somewhere involved in it. I'm very interested by that, but that's uh, you know it's exciting to see. They're also working with the British Automobile Racing Club and Motorsport UK um, as it seeks to apply to become an FIA international series. So they're looking for FIA approval. So yeah, this makes for you know interesting reading. You know, it's a, is another series that, you know, that, that that hopefully makes it to the and actually happens. So, yeah, we can we can only kind of happen, only hope that it happens and watch what watch what it leads to. Mm. Yeah, it sounds interesting, particularly you know with the fifteen races and short duration. It reminds me of yeah a few other um, was it the the rallycross and all that kind of stuff. I think mm. it's a in- interesting format to to go with. It'd be uh, be great to sort of see where that where that goes and and, and yeah. how that develops. Very much so. Cool. All right, local news time. Uh, some interesting things. So first up is the 2021 Genesis G70. Now we we've known what it looks like, but now we also know that it has a all-wheel drive and uh, even scoring a drift mode. Um, kind of a little bit unexpected. Nicely welcomed, of course. Um, but yeah, I think it's uh, they really you know there's there's not. Nothing too much more to really to be found out, but we do know that uh, it will be a 3.3 litre twin turbo V6 with a healthy 272 kilowatts of power and 510 newton meters of torque. Um, or if uh, you want something a little bit more, um, a little bit more sensible, you can go for a little uh, two litre turbo four cylinder with 185 kilowatts. It's still a very healthy amount of power and 353 newton meters of talk um yeah so it has a a sport plus mode for across the entire range um that's now included and um yeah the the v6 version will in sport trim benefit from a variable exhaust system um which genesis says creates a more aggressive exhaust signature um yeah i think that would be really exciting i do like the um that they're not going to a all-out performance mode like it's not like an you know they're not doing a an m3 or m4 sort of performance kind of vehicle level it's not their market yeah but they are still doing you know an all-wheel drive system which has a drift mode i think that's kind of like just to say that hey look we can do this and you know this is a vehicle that you know you can have a little bit of fun in i don't know i'm expecting um when this vehicle launches that there'll be hopefully some opportunities to to play around with that obviously because um you know it's not encouraged to do that on the road at all uh if you want to keep your car but um, yeah, I'd love to see how that how that works, and um, you know how they're implementing that technology compared to you know the likes of BMW and um, a few other colored brands that have a similar type of 
setting in their all-wheel drive sports cars. Yeah, it'd be fun to do it with the petrol 3.3 turbo as well in yeah. all-wheel drive. So it launches locally in the first half of next year. Mm-hmm. Um, they're saying the model lineup and specs will be announced closer to launch. So we should see something obviously early in the new year. In, yeah. In I, ex- I, still, I still expect it to remain quite competitively priced, com- yeah. just like the last G70, um, where, yeah, it was punching a lot above its weight uh, compared to uh, the equivalent three series Mercedes C class and things like that, so uh, hopefully they're retaining aggressive those, pricing. In those red images they've released it as does. well. So the other ones are a bit flat in that grey colour, but this um, this red looks really good. Actually, looks very um, Cadillac-y Look a little bit in some of those photos. Yeah, too. <laughs> that's right. Well, continuing on with the uh, Hyundai Group, we've got um, the first proper images of the Hyundai i20N. Uh, that's right, you've heard it. The i20 N. Um, so it's launching with turbo power and manual fun, as the headline from Cowskide reads. Um, yeah, so this is going to be a really fun one. 150 kilowatts, 275 new meters of torque to the front wheels, um, weighs under 1200 kilos, and um, 0 to 106.6.7 seconds. Now, those features that we did, uh, those specs, I think we did talk about last week, but it is interesting to compare, uh, compare to other vehicles in its segment so uh the fiesta st from ford has 147 kilowatts and 200 new meters of torque uh the polo gti from volkswagen 147 kilowatts and 300 320 new meters of torque and of course the kind of sitting as an outlier the Toyota GR Yaris with 200 kilowatts and 370 new meters now i think toyota have just um pulled a i don't know uh let's aim for the next segment up but put into a smaller car whilst everybody else is focusing on the similar segment but i'm really loving um the the look of the i20 and it looks really sharp oh, the um, red accents across it look fantastic that's right just yeah. those lights and it's using that, that signature and blue as well mm. um but, but yeah, that interior have... is stunning as well like the setup i mean that's the pictures they've released are, are left yeah drive spec but... yeah um, yeah, it's uh, it looks it looks fantastic. Yeah, and if you've seen the i30N, it is very similar uh, in setup to that. Uh, the steering wheel looks fairly the same, though it does have a fully um, digital dash, which is nice. And um, yeah, so there isn't a, from what I can tell, a automatic available, which I can. No, as far as I can see, it's only coming manual. manual. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But they are saying it does have automatic rev matching, uh, left foot braking calibration, and a brake pad wear indicator. So that's, you know, the the rev matching is is, is really cool because that's the same thing that comes from the iPhone. Some people don't like it. I'm a huge fan. If it makes me sound like a champion, I'm I'm all for it. Uh, Because heel towing is is a hard thing. Um, And. it's much better when uh, the car knows how to do it for you. And the full <laughs> Hyundai Smart Sense safety features as well. Yeah. You know, FCW, FCA, LDW, okay, VCW, ISLA, high assist, lane following assist, you know, rear cross uh, traffic collision, um, the others of which we sped through a forward collision, lane departure, lane keeping. Um, yeah. You know, due it's a great lo- thing that you expected to have. Yeah. And um, yeah. 
and and it's quite funny that we are getting this in Australia, even though the standard i20 is no longer sold here in Australia. And um, yeah, Hyundai have said that they've reinforced the chassis itself in 12 places, whilst the suspension geometry has completely been redesigned with new anti-roll bar springs and shocks, uh, as well as a few other enhancements. Uh, brake discs on the front are 40 mil larger, and um, steering ratio has changed to offer more precise steering feel. Now that steering ratio, if it's like the i30N, don't expect an amazing turn turning circle, but that's because this is a track car for the road. Uh, in a way, it's it's been designed that that way very much. It's reflected in the in the warranty, allowing you know and and accommodating track use. Uh, but you might have to do a th- few more three point turns um, in some situations. But you know if you if you're buying one of these, you're kind of going in with your eyes wide open that you know that is going to be the case. And um, yeah, I can't wait for it to arrive. Can't come quickly enough. Yeah, and I love the press release title. They said the ultimate corner rascal. Yeah, it's very very cool. Nice bit of yeah. uh, comedy there from here and mm-hmm. but yeah, it's an exciting thing to look forward to. It really um, shakes up that market. You know, obviously, like I said, the the Yaris GR is not this market, but it does move into Polo and um, Fiesta ST sort of placing. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's got that famous Hyundai. Uh, in blue, which, you know, is such a standout for that car, but it looks fantastic, and I think it'll do. Uh, I think it'll do really well. But you know, the other benefit you know from this is that it's going to have Australian tuned suspension. They've already yeah. obviously had a development vehicle here, which we saw a few weeks back when it was here as a test vehicle, um, and people were actually allowed to have a bit of a, a steer in it. Um, yeah, the fact that it'll you know it'll be tuned for our Aussie roads is just going to be brilliant, and I can't wait to see what it'll sell for. Um, my guess, Ash, I think it'll have to be around that, sort of around about 30000 do you reckon, for it to be sort of in that I um, think for it to be competitive, point? yeah. yeah. Um, um, and it's Hyundai. They, they don't really go too crazy on pricing. Um, I think they in these models they're wanting to get market share, mm. and um, you know, so I think it's going to be priced accordingly. Yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be an interesting thing to watch and just to see, you know, what the take up is and um, you know how many people that may have been going to yeah. buy an i thirty will go for this and you mm-hmm. know, how it runs from there. Yeah. All right, let's jump on to Jaguar, the new 2021 Jaguar XE, the you know the sort of the Mercedes C C class, and um, ultimately a G70 competitor as well um, is. Well, has arrived. I've been talking to to Jaggy about trying to schedule one of these in when they do get some vehicles up from from down south. Um, but pricing starts from uh, driveway pricing starts from sixty nine nine ninety for the XER Dynamic Black. It's not and, bad for um, Dynamic. Yeah, so our dynamic SE and HSE models, which have typically more power, a few more features uh, to come. But um, yeah, the benefit or the biggest change for these in the lifecycle update is that all-wheel drive is now standard and um, it has some new updated uh, technologies in. So you've got a slightly updated infotainment screen. You've got the the digital um, instrument cluster as well as uh, what they call like Jaguar's Pivi Pro, uh, which also brings Spotify, also includes your standard Apple CarPlay, Android Auto, dual Bluetooth connectivity as well and um yeah and a nice big 10 inch infotainment screen and software over the air capability as well so that the updates can be done you know always being done so that it's always up to date as Mm -hmm. well 
Um, of course, in the XE, the Jaguar, it's got the beautiful um, secondary display as well for your air conditioning and the digital air conditioning controls. I think that last time I drove uh, a 300, um, I really loved that. That was kind of a cool thing, cleverly uh, implemented. Um, but yeah, so basically now falls in line with the XF, the, which is a slightly larger sedan and um, F-Pace as well. In term, so it sort of is um, spec leveled with that. Um, but yeah, so the... Performance, yeah, 0 to 105.9 seconds, which is sort of improved by that all-wheel drive system. It's still the um, the turbo petrol four-cylinder engine, uh, so it's 221 kilowatts and 400 newton meters of torque, which is pretty impressive uh, from that, and it's all done through an eight-speed automatic trans- transmission. Uh, but, yeah, so I'm really liking it. It's a nice, uh. subtle set of upgrades. Um, it's, it's so funny. Whenever I say... <laughs> To someone that I've got a jag this week, they always get super excited. Uh, I've, it doesn't matter how old the people you know the people are that I'm talking to. Um, it's a shame you don't see more on the road because the pricing is pretty pretty aggressive. Mm. Um, and they just got that presence now. You know they've come through that design evolution and where they are now, they just look so good. Everything through the mo- through the range as well. You know, every model just has this really cool and oozes just this awesome presence on the road and and like i said with this tech upgrade as well it just makes it even more appealing for what they've what they what it does yeah absolutely so yeah it's um yeah it, it it's one of those things go go have a look at it because they jaguar are, are working really hard to to get market share and um i think you know maybe not everything they do in terms of promoting it is is 100 but they're certainly yeah i've got a fairly solid product that goes with it um which is nice but let's jump back we were talking about the mac one uh last week and um look yeah it, there won't be many it won't be cheap but we kind of all know that so they're starting from uh 83,365 plus your on-road costs and um but you are getting both a six-speed manual and a 10-speed auto uh, to choose from. Uh, some options include uh, Recaria seats for an extra $3,000 and premium paint will cost six fifty. And from um, people I know that have had those Recaros in the US, um, they actually love them. So I think that yeah. money is well spent to yeah. get to upgrade to, yeah. to, to those. And the appearance pack um, gives you this uh, distinctive design um, that gives you that look that you know it shows that it is that Mark yeah. One design, but eighty grand, it's um yeah, that's not not cheap for a Mustang. No, but it is fact- a big jump from the Bullet, which was seventy four thousand. Which now that I reflect on it, the Bullet for seventy four grand feels cheap. Mm. <laughs> it was yeah, very well priced. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is that you're gonna have a you're gonna have a Mark One. Now, Mark ones like for for Mustang fans have always been special. So, really, if you if realistically, can you put a price on having something that's that's an icon like the Mark One? No, you can't. So, yeah. you know, having spending that eighty grand, it's money well spent because you're buying into something that is limited edition, is going to be iconic, um, and you know you, you are going to have something, and you can customize it with obviously whatever 
paint that you want. Um, with the appearance pack, you can you can only get if you go the to get the fighter jet gray, um, which is quite a nice cut. You can only get that with the appearance pack. So that's an yeah. interesting combination that they've done with it. So um, yeah, uh, the fact that you can buy it with auto and manual as well. Um, take up, I think, on those is always interesting on what people buy across the um, with their their interest and stuff like that. So um, yeah, I think it'll be uh, interesting to see and just see what the split is as we start seeing them on the roads um, and what people end up uh, you know choosing the colours and but that yeah that iconic colour is just brilliant. I just love the mm. Mark One badging on it. It's just awesome, you know. As I said, you know, <laughs> the, the history of this model and yeah. and what it's done in the past is uh, is really cool. And mm. the appearance pack obviously also allows for that orange um, trim around it as well, which is also quite special. Um, so yeah, I think that I think most people will probably end up, you know, spending the money and and um, you know buying it with that that upgrade to to give them that distinct feel because yeah that. You know that sticker across the front, or you know, um, with the Mark One signage and everything, with that mm-hmm. little orange trim, is really nice um, and looks great with on that on that on that grey colour as well. Yeah. Well, okay. Um, and you will have to be quick. There's only 700 of those uh, available, so don't dilly dally. I reckon uh, a lot of them will probably already been sold from the day they yeah. announced it. Four dealers' phones would have been off the hook. You know, yeah. Jumping in to buy them. Okay, uh, Hyundai, goodbye Elantra, say hello to the i30 sedan. Now, look, this isn't something new that we've been talking about, but we do have pricing. Um, and Hyundai is not resting on, uh, they're, they're going straight for the Corolla and the Mazda 3, um, as well as, you know, they're, they're bullying their sibling, uh, the Kia Cerato, a little bit as well. So, Pricing starts from less than $25,000 for the base uh, with rear parking sensors and camera, wireless phone charging and leather scented trim standard across the four variant range um, with the i30 sedan. Um, yeah, basically replacing the, the Elantra and potentially could make it Australia's number one selling car be just because of this uh, this this name change, bring it under the i30 uh, umbrella, which is which could be a clever, clever move by Hyundai. Um, but lost my thing. So yes, there is a, a an N line and N line premium version as well uh, that comes with a one point six liter turbocharged petrol engine. Um, and you can and the, only get the seven speed DCT in the N line and the N line premium. So that's right. Yeah. So I think that's uh, it's like we were talking about uh, last week as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think if you're going to go that option, and your only other option is premium paint as well. Yep. Yeah, so it makes it quite good. Makes it pretty straightforward uh, for everybody. But yeah, I think we we touched on it a little bit ago. But the sedan active, the entry level manual twenty seven, uh, sorry twenty four seven ninety, uh, the elite thirty thousand seven ninety, then the manual N line for thirty thousand uh, twenty ninety, and then uh, N line premium thirty seven two ninety. So yeah, it's uh, be interesting to see how it, it takes, you know, sort of takes aim with. Uh, with its uh, with, with with its rivals and see if it can yeah, still fuel And what it does, is. and it's uh, it's interesting that they're um, fairly similar on size boots as well. The Corolla yeah. sedan's four hundred and seventy liters, and the i thirty sedan's four seventy four. Yeah. So, um, which well, is an increase really of sixteen. They've, they've done no. their homework and and know what to do. <laughs> Uh, okay, all right. So, 2029 Mini Convertible. Not sure how many people are going to be uh, banging our, you know, 
bang out, well, I guess, bombarding our emails for this, but uh, pricing is out anyway. So the Cooper S gets side, it's a bringing a new sidewalk edition as well for the for the convertible, and uh, ironically, it, rivaling its you know the two series um, in addition to the A3 from Audi. Uh, price from $55,800 plus your on-road costs. Um, and uh, yeah, the sidewalk edition is a $4,700 uh, $4, premium over the regular Cooper S convertible. Um, but yeah, so the sidewalk edition does get you though for that extra cost. Um, exclusive Laguna Blue paintwork. Um, even though you can opt for white silver and midnight black finishes as well. But I'm liking this Laguna Seca Blue. Um, reminds me of the E46 M3 in that same color. Uh, the Cyborg Edition also gets an arrow bonnet stripe, 17-inch scissor alloy wheels, and an arrow soft-top graphics. Um, and bespoke side badging. Uh, anthracite leather upholstery, energetic yellow, petrol blue braided accents are available um, with the sidewalk logo and a sports steering wheel and unique scuff plates. Uh, but yeah, so it looks pretty cool. Um, it might not be for, for everyone, um, but it's certainly uh, in the Cooper S. You, know, you get 141 kilowatts, 280 meters of torque. And um, yeah, seven-speed dual clutch. It's uh, on the roof's interesting as well. It's got an interesting set of checker plate pattern across the roof but it also comes yeah. with a portable speaker as well and an improved sound system so yeah. which is a quite so i don't know sound. how much value that portable speaker really adds it's <laughs> you go to jb decent, decent size but um yeah yeah they reckon it's got uh, decent um uh decent you know usage of uh, you know time that you can use it as well so coming yeah. into summer it's the kind of perfect thing to be able to have and take it to the beach and whatever else. But yeah, yeah you're right about that color. Actually, that color is quite stunning. Yeah. And I think, um, look, fashion forward and fashion thinking people will, I think, certainly enjoy this because uh, there's really nothing else like it. Um, we've spoken about this before with Mini. They know exactly the type of market they're going for and, um, you know, they know how to nail it with that demographic. And I think that, you know, the price sensitivity is, um, you know, it's, it's, it's different uh, when it comes to Mini. But, okay, uh, that's enough of the, the big in-depth discussion on our local news. Let's go through a quick rundown of um, these other news pieces that we want to include. So the next, first one is the 2021 BMW X5M and X6M first edition models. So it's a special edition uh, for the very first few models coming through due to arrive in Q1. And, um, yeah, right, sort of takes aim at the GLE 663S SUV from Mercedes-AMG. And um, yeah, so pricing two hundred nine thousand nine hundred plus on roads for the X five and two hundred thirteen thousand nine hundred for the X six M. Uh, lots of carbon fiber bits and pieces. You get first edition um, badging on the inside on the trim. Um, Silverstone Midnight Blue Marina Leather uh, looks quite nice. It's uh, definitely worth taking a look at the photos. Um, it's a uh, certainly works for its money i think um to to put it and yeah there's only 250 of them coming and um yeah so not not many at all yeah and further full, full pricing and spec will be available closer to on sale date which is early next year and yeah. to order you order through um on secure online through the bmw shop so yeah um yeah they should be good to keep an eye out mm. for once they hit the hit the hit the road to you mm-hmm 
All right, next one. Porsche is expanding the Panamera model lineup uh, for for next year. So the Turbo SE Hybrid returns. So if, if you want to save the planet whilst also smoking everything else that's on the road um, from the lights, this is the one for you. It's um, putting it lightly. Yeah, it's a it's a rocket ship of a car. Um, let me just find some of these steps here. So it's 514 kilowatts, 870 newton meters of torque. Um, so yeah, it's a 420 kilowatt twin turbo V8, as well as a hundred kilowatt electric motor. So it's um, all mated to an eight-speed dual-clutch transmission, all-drive system, and uh, zero to hundred is 3.2 seconds on a way to uh, top speed of 315 kilometers per hour. Um, all handy for it, but also yeah. So the most powerful version though is uh, the turbo. S at 463 kilowatts and 820 newton meters of torque. Um, but the 4E hybrid is probably the one that you'll see most of. Um, 0 to 100 in 4.4 seconds, top speed of 280. And um, 4E hybrid is available in sedan and also the arguably the best version, the Sport Turismo Wagon. Um, and they're $6,500 cheaper than before, uh, which is not a bad discount at all, especially when a lot of other models and brands are increasing their prices. So it's kind of refreshing to see. Still not cheap at $245,900 and $253,200 plus your on-roads. Um but there's also a special executive long wheelbase version available at 255000 uh, Pricing-wise for the Turbo SE Hybrid, $420,800. So it's um, definitely not a car that I, uh, you know, it, it, I'd almost say that a, a, a take-in is your better choice if you're wanting an electric car. Um, but, you know... This is also a pretty special vehicle as well, particularly in that uh, Turismo uh, guys. Um, in terms of timing, I can't see anything on timing. Uh, no, so but best thing is to get in touch with your dealer and, and have a chat, and they'll probably first next thing they'll say is uh, we'll gladly uh, take Should a deposit to put an order one. Yep. Ah, uh, there you go. Okay, next up, Subaru XV range has been updated, so they've squeezed in a little bit more tech, um, as We've well got as some new models as well. Yeah, so the XV Hybrid L starting at thirty five four ninety, um, which is similarly priced to the outgoing twenty twenty XV Hybrid, and um, the range topper, which is the Hybrid S, complete. Um, basically, is at forty thousand seven ninety price tag. Uh, the two hybrid variants have um e-active shift control which basically um you know improves the driving standard handling as well and um yeah of course the the update the the sr drive which is brilliant having driven it in the the forester it's great to see that bring into the to the xv um and it's also bringing in um some of the um where was it the eyesight tech as well so yeah um they both are getting also getting yeah the um, e-active, which is, is like you said is controlling and cornering and controlling on uh, helping with control and heal, mm-hmm. and then they're also getting the vision assist um, as well, which is blind spot monitoring, front view monitor, high beam assist, lane change assist, rear crossing traffic alert, re-automatic reverse automatic braking, and side view monitor. 
um, which is the same thing that comes out of the forest. So yeah. that's pretty cool. Um, mm. That's what. And the- pricing wise, so everything starts from um, a very minor increase in in pricing across the board. There's basically just um, uh, one that has dropped in price but essentially the the big takeaway is that um pricing starts from just under 30,000 at 29,690 and um goes all the way up to that second hybrid model previously there was only one option for the hybrid and um yeah that is a a higher spec at just over forty thousand dollars so there's basically a, an option and spec level for most people and what they want so if you just want a car um that will fit the family and get you from point a to point b without too much fanfare but with a level you know decent level of safety tech and um you know you can get in at under 30 but if you're wanting a bit more of the niceties and a bit more of the the fuel saving uh you can definitely go for that option as well so that's a great Next step one. by Subaru by just increasing that range. So um, yeah. I think I'll have to hit our friends up and try. Um, now that I've driven the, the XV hybrid, I've been trying to see what it's like uh, with mm. this new hybrid S mode with some of the spec in that and see what it's like. So, um, yeah, that's exciting for, for those yeah. that, are, uh, that are, have been in the market for that sort of uh, for that model just to, to be able to up-spec it now with a, few, with a, few, with a lot more um, options. Yeah. Okay, uh, third parties <laughs> um, wasted no time in uh, releasing concepts and I think some of them are now taking pre-orders for uh, replacement bumpers for the 2021 Bindui M3 and M4. Now, the bumpers have been quite polarizing for a lot of people, that front grille that goes from basically the, the top of the nose all the way down to the bottom. And, um, yeah, there's been a few uh, interesting... Um, takes on it a few have released different options and different renders and getting feedback from from the public on which way should they go and um, yeah I think uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a few of these um, different noses out and about after the vehicles have launched um, because yeah I think um, you know there's I, I love the interior of the new one but yeah I am on the fence of the, the new nose I'm not entirely in love with it I'm intrigued to see how it changes the cooling you know, obviously yeah. there was designed and, you know, the engineers have looked at it with the way that the, the grill has been designed. So I'm intrigued to see whether this changes the way that the cooling uh, actually works and whether it does stop any of it mm. because you're now putting the number plate and stuff over the area where, you know, it was quite open and allowed for the, the cooling and that to, to, to for the air to enter. So, yeah, yeah. interesting to keep an eye on, yeah. particularly in modern mm. climates. Yeah, and one um, we we don't have any much, much details at all, but a locally built uh, Nissan Patrol V8 Warrior model um, dealers are basically told to expect a flagship in arriving next year. So that will be interesting. There's not really too many details, but I think it's just uh, to get dealers excited that there could be a Warrior model coming. Um, certainly it's been not a talk surprising for, a while, for me. You know, with success of the the Navara Warrior and and just you know how popular that became and yeah. you know, actually there's a tradie working not far from my place at the moment that I passed daily that's got one in black and of the of the of the um, Navara um, mm. and it looks fantastic so I'm excited to see you know what the guys yeah. have create and what this becomes yeah. because this is great and I think for mm. for, for well, the people given that I'm seeing a lot of patrols out there now 
I'm, I'm seeing a lot more now than I have in the past. And a lot of them so are putting, good. a lot of them are doing aftermarket tires, yeah. um, uh, roof rack or roof tray, snorkel. And so if they can do a package that includes a lot of that stuff and, and creates a really great looking package, I think they're going to take a, a lot of the, um, even, you know, they're going to attract a few of those customers that, mm. um, you know, like what we said with the with the other ones, maybe not super comfortable with um, going out to the aftermarket and getting these things done. They usually prefer getting something from the factory, and um, this is a great way to do it and a great way to get people into into the patrol. Yeah, exactly. Okay, last bit of news for local stuff. So the SAS series, if you haven't uh, seen it, it's uh, actually quite an excellent. Um, series to be watching is very interesting as a number of celebrities um, and public uh, public figure, figures go through a round of SAS type challenges and um, yeah so Land Rover is the sponsor for that and um, obviously it makes a lot of sense with it being uh, British SAS uh, Land Rover just seemed to be a, you know, a, a fairly uh, no brainer uh, partnership for that yeah it's great um, I saw it's funny that they chose to use the one that been, that has appeared a couple of times already. Um, is they're both black. Um, I actually saw my first one in the wild the other day, an actual black new Defender uh, driving yeah. around doing school doing school drop off of all things. Um, but it looks fantastic. It looks so good on the black on black, like the black bodywork, the black wheels. Mm. Uh, it looks really cool. So I'm intrigued. I've been enjoying this series, like you said, Ash. It's quite a good show to watch. But I'm intrigued just now just to see uh, where the where the Defender uh, pops up. Um, and I'm looking forward to hopefully getting behind the wheel of one of these very soon to actually see what they're like because uh, I've a few people I know that have driven them and, and talk quite highly of them. So, yeah, this is a great uh, great relationship. It's good to see that Land Rover getting involved and uh, doing some promotion. That's right, yeah. Okay, bring a trailer. Uh, how did we go last week? So, yeah, last week your uh, M5 uh, ended up selling for 23 grand, 23 grand uh, which is not too bad. No. Um, Certainly a lot more than uh, what other M5s have uh, yeah. <laughs> sold for that vintage. Yeah, so grand wagon, my grand 89 Grand Wagoneer didn't meet reserve and the uh-huh. highest bid was 17500 uh, My Land Cruiser FZ, FZJ73 was 22 grand. It's yep. quite high for that 95. Mm. Uh, my Testarossa didn't meet reserve. It was passed into the 107. And the 4,000-kilometer um, 89 LM002 Lamborghini SUV sold for 285 grand. Wow. <laughs> so, That's yeah, incredible. Interesting. Uh, very interesting to see, uh, to see those. So how did you go this week? Uh, yeah, so... I've uh, found a, uh, let's just say it, it. you wouldn't miss it. You'll probably think of Austin Powers uh, when you see I it. I saw that. <laughs> and um, yeah, so it's uh, it's currently bid at 44250 It ends in two days and it is a 1964 Jaguar XKE Series 1 Roadster uh, with a five-speed manual. And um yeah, it's a it's got a Union Jack painted um, all over it, and I think it looks quite tasteful for for yeah. what it is. Um, the interior is nicely been looked after. It, it it looks like it. Um, I can't see if it's been yeah. So it's been reconditioned. Um, 
but it seems to be mostly all well put together. Um, but yeah, looks looks brilliant. Uh, date of manufacture, 10th of June, 1964. So it's got all the paperwork with it. Um, it has done 63,000 miles, or at least let's say miles shown. Um, yeah. And um, yeah, it would be a brilliant, a brilliant car in a collection. I think it'd be a good one to take to a Cars and Coffee. Yeah, nice. But so this week, you? this week I had a, uh, a couple of um, a couple of honourable mentions um, this week. So where are we? The '98 Ferrari F three five five Spider. Oh, I saw that. Um, yeah. I just have to mention uh, the Rock. Um, if you want to know what that looks like, that was the car that they uh, crashed in the Action Series through San Francisco. Um, I have a soft spot for this car. Just the noise of that car. Just um, you know, open gate gearbox, mm-hmm. spider, uh, red. Um, yeah, enough said for a 355 stunning looking thing. Um, there's a 2015 Cadillac CDSV Coupe. Um, you, know, you know my love of CDSV wagons, yeah. but this is the Coupe, which is still a good looking thing. Um, I prefer the wagon, but there uh, there's one of those which I'm keeping an eye on. And then there's a 908 Jeep Cherokee Golden Eagle. And you can't miss the Golden Eagle because it has a massive Golden Eagle on the bonnet. Uh, this thing's green with um, like the gold gold trim and, and yellow mm-hmm. riding down the side. Quite a nice looking thing. Um, six days left and it's at five grand. But my pick this week is a 93 Ford Explorer XLT 4x4 Jurassic Park Tribute. So someone in Michigan has gone and bought an XLT Explorer uh, and actually then decided to um, make a tribute one to, to honour the ones that they used in Jurassic Park. Um, wow. It has gone all out. Like the, uh, the, the, the colour trim and everything just absolutely matches it. They've actually put inside the roof lining a picture that runs the entire life of the, the dinosaur sticking its head uh, effectively looking like it's getting its head inside the car. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's an uh, interesting looking thing. Um, it's very bright. Uh, you cannot miss it. Uh, it's currently at four and a half thousand uh, and it's got six days left. So um, it'll be interesting to see what it sells for. But, you know, if you're into this sort of thing and you like running car shows and stuff like you know attending car shows um it is brad so it is radwood um which is that wonderful car culture group in in the u.s for 80s and 90s era cars this would be perfect to take to a radwood show if you can find um uh some jurassic park attire to go with it but yeah it should be uh interesting to watch uh brilliant okay It'll be interesting to see how some of those go. Yeah. Um, in, uh, in Mark the... also watch and see what we end up getting for the <laughs> yeah. result next week. Yeah. Okay. International news. The one that's probably been making the most headlines is the return of the Hummer. Now we've had our first pricing details, first power details. So it is a thousand horsepower. It it has a, a whopping price tag of over a hundred thousand US dollars. Um, it's similar in width to the H1 um, it is longer than the H1 um, it's got by a meter <laughs> yeah four wheel um, four wheel steering so it can do things like crab walking it just uh, I think they've knocked it out of the park of this one They've, I think they've really shown um, and I think a few people will be upset but man this is this is um, 
this is crazy. This is, I think, um, how you present an electric uh, pickup truck better than I think what Tesla have tried to do with the Cybertruck. Um, and I think the difference is that people probably have a fairly high level of confidence that they're probably going to get something that looks like what it is in the photos. And, and it will come to market when they it. say it will. So apparently first allocations, you said you said when we were talking before that it has um, its first lot of uh, allocations are sold out. Yeah, it's already sold um, out. Like it's, it's a massive success in terms of yeah. what it is. You know, as we were saying before we started recording tonight that this would have stolen a heap, I reckon, of um, Cybertruck orders. You know, people, as soon as they mm. saw that this was coming, you know, the fact that the roof is removable, um, you know, I'm, it, it's not pertaining to be anywhere near as strong as the Cybertruck, but, you know, it's a Hummer. You know it's going to be, it's, yeah. it's a GMC product. You know it's going to be good. Mm. Um, but it's got fact- crazy things. So it's got what they call like ultra vision, which isn't like, uh, this is so cool. So um, it, it gives you your pitch and roll angles, um, which is kind of like what the Subaru uh, did, which we spoke about when I had one of those. Um, but this goes the complete next level with ultra vision. So it has under body cameras. So it isn't just a 360 degree camera, but you also can get a, an exact shot of what the wheels are doing from underneath the car, which is perfect when climbing over rocks, steps, whatever. It takes whatever. that front camera angle to a new level. You know, we've had a lot of four-wheel drives that are putting it at the front, but the fact that you can actually see, you know, some of them under actually the are labeling have that, you know, jag and that do it away to give you that virtual look of where your wheels are. But yeah. this actually shows what's yeah. around your wheels. So, so if it's you're basically... Cr- if you, if you would imagine it's based, you know, the view which they're, they're sharing is that it's um up behind, if it had an axle, it was, it's up and behind the axle looking forward or looking back. And um, it's just, just brilliant. And it for yeah, it's supremely clever, of course. Um, but yeah, what, what they've done is it's, it's kind of funny that the front illuminated Hummer grill, which is very iconic for Hummer, um, also looks a bit similar to the Jeep Grand Wagoneer front as well. Yeah, um, a little bit. It's that similar having the light bar design across the front yeah. with the name the yeah. name embedded in it. Yeah. But it's distinctively Hummer. Um, I love yeah, how they've if, moved. If you, if, if you showed a photo to someone without telling them what it is, I reckon... And then they have some familiarity because not everybody cares about a Hummer, right? But if, you if somebody has GMC some sort of level, and the Hummer go, off the grill, yeah. they'll go. It's a Hummer. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so it's got it's got lift out sky panels, which is very similar to like you know the Ford Bronco and the and the Wrangler. It's got a Bose fourteen speaker audio system. Um, you know, so yeah, in tune specifically, it raises six inches, it lowers two inches, um, zero to zero to hundred or zero to ninety-eight or whatever the zero to sixty equivalent is three seconds. Um, eleven eleven thousand five hundred pounds pound feet of torque. Um, yeah, just insane i'm 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 obsessed with it just a little bit and and it is compatible with up to 800 volt dc fast charging um up to 350 kilowatts and um yeah it will give you nearly 100 miles of range in just 10 minutes of charging a full battery will get you just over 350 miles and um yeah so you have regen on demand um paddle hardness for the power of regenerative braking um 
And it's available in three different models. So the reservations are full for the Hummer EV Edition 1, which is the most expensive. And that's um, this is going to be available... Uh, at 112595 for that edition one, and that will be available in fall 2021. Um, and the other models will be coming um, and starting at 80000 going up to 100000 So the Hummer EV squared, I think they're calling it, um, is a two-motor, 250-mile range um, starting at 80000 and that will be coming in 2024. The EV... 2X, uh, again, two motors, 300-mile range from 90,000, and the EV3X is from 100,000. That's going to be available in fall 2022 with three motors and an estimated 300-mile range. So it's gonna. they've done a similar thing to Tesla in that way, um, but at least they're giving you know a, a designated time period level of um, expectation. And um, yeah, I think this is this is brilliant. This is showing what electric vehicles can be uh, when they're engineered specifically. Yeah, and it's the first thing that they're you know they've come out with in terms of its um, you know G- GMC's first electric car as well. And it's not just that; it's a Hummer electric. So yeah. you know they've gone all out. The interior is just glorious in terms of. I'm not a big fan of the gold trim everywhere, but. That might just be the EV1 edition. I'm hoping that maybe the um, the others don't have that sort of glary uh, trim um, on certain parts of it. But the screen in the center is brilliant. The the dash screen is great. Looks like there's heaps of space. Yeah. Um, you know, as you're saying, comparing to the original Hummer, the, the spec size of the width and everything, it's you know it, it's got that same big, very um, first gen Hummer, you know Humvee kind of feel with that massive center console. Um, the Super Cruise tech, you know, it's a driver assistance uh, for hands-free driving is impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, the, you know, the torque is, you know, it's 11,000 foot-pounds of torque in the in the EV1. Um, you know, the, the Bose system, the removable roof. Um, the other thing I was reading about is that it's got a very interesting um, off-road ability to one-pedal driving. So that mm-hmm. when you're running off road in the auto, you can actually it will help work, and you can feather the, the throttle to use a regenerative braking to help you just control the car and yeah. be able to crawl easier and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's super impressive. Um, there was a story I read during the week that maybe this could be something that could become with GMSV. You know, could we see it? But you know, if it's if this EV1 edition's, you know, like a hundred grand, what does that make it here? So, yeah. um, you know, it's horrendously expensive <laughs> for what it is. But but Hummers you know, were never really before the the H3 came out were never cheap. Even the H3 no. when it came out was sixty grand. Yeah. Um, but one thing which I do like, so this is the pickup variant as well. Um, but it has the what I think I'm so surprised we haven't seen in Australia yet in any dual cab utes. But what they call, you know, GMC's own technology they call it multi-pro tailgate and um essentially the tailgate drops down but then it also drops down again in the middle and creates yeah. a step step that's just pretty cool oh it's just so brilliant so a it's yeah. a seat two it's a step because you know we all know when jumping in and out of a dual cab butte in the back if you've got the stuff to load it is hard to get in the back either you're jumping over the tire to get in the bed or you're doing an awkward call <laughs> over the tailgate yeah. to get in um, and it's just like you look at it and you go that's a no brainer that, that mm. just makes perfect sense to do that yeah. um, 
but yeah, no, nah, huge, well, just huge for, fan. Just for reference, there's a 96 H1 Hummer for sale at the moment online, 285,000 kilometers. It's 110,000. Yeah. So, you know, there you go. and for, if you want an H3, there's plenty of H3s for anywhere from, you know, 30 to be grand. And then there's even an H1 um, with 27,000. Like it's an actual one of the mil- couple of the military ones for 62 and 50 grand. So, you know, they're be mm. interesting to see what. Oh, um, I'd, I'd love one of those. Yeah. There's quite a few of those actually on sale. Lots of stretches if you want a stretch hummer for a limo. There's <laughs> quite a few of those. But yeah, so I'm intrigued to see whether it comes here. Um, it's it's an awesome bit of kit. It's exciting to see. And this kind of tech, like we've said, you know, these electric cars that they're building, like I've raved about the Rivian before. And I think that's. That's an exciting bit of uh, a bit of technology, but this, you know, great to see that Hummer are going down this line. Mm. And like we were saying before we recorded, Ash, it's, it's a shame that, that we didn't see the, the the Bronco coming with a hybrid version, you know, when it yeah. was announced. There is talk that it will come later, um, but as it is, you know, the, the timeline for these, the, even though they've announced that they're coming, they're, you know, they're not going on sale till, you know, 2021, 2022, 2023. Mm-hmm and 2024 for the cheapest version so if you look at that from a ford point of view that's still four years away so you've got effectively four years to bring something to market to jump into that cheaper price point for something that is you know that's a bronco that is hybrid to compare with we don't know how big the ev2 will be and it's only going to be two motors it's only going to have 250 mile range it's only going to have 625 horsepower but you know, could this be an option for, you know, we know the Jeep are coming out with theirs. So, yeah, it's an interesting timeline over those next four years to see what's happening. And, and it's smart that GMC have announced that they've got these plans um, yeah. to try and corner that part of the market. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it's exciting times um, for electric, you know. And, like again, we were saying earlier tonight that, you know, this um, electric pickup market, which is, you know, the biggest selling cars in Australia and the US are pickups at the moment mm. or Utes. Um, it makes for it makes for interesting thinking and to see what else happens uh, down the track and and to watch that market. Absolutely, and um, yeah, oh, I just wish that we got these. You know, um, but let's move on because. I want to get this next vehicle out of the way because we can also can't have it. Um, the Ford Bronco, uh, they've teamed up with um, Filson um, and, you know, an empower brand, out, outdoor gear and uh, power brand. And um, they're supporting the National Forest Foundation in the US. So um, also supporting um, the forest firefighters and um, essentially by creating um, some exclusive editions uh, of the vehicle as well as some exclusive apparel that where any of that gear that is sold, um, half the proceeds will go to um, supporting that as well as, um, yeah, they're donating two four-door Broncos and um, some more donations for every Bronco bought. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a, it's cool. We've uploaded some photos on our Instagram um, because I think it looks really, really cool. They're using some of um, their... I don't know. I just love the spec. I'd love to see what some other um, aftermarket guys will do now to these yeah. to these this cars. This market's just going to go nuts in terms of yeah. you just you just look at the setup on this Filson Wildland fire rig, and 
just the setup that they've got on top with, you know, the the roof rack and the carrier and just everything, you know, it's got the fire hose reel in the, in the back tray and, yeah. you know, there's Pelican cases and stuff all on that roof and everything else. So, you know, the, the particularly, um, I've been listening to a couple of uh, podcasts recently talking about off-road stuff um, and they talking a lot about outdoor tents and stuff like that you know these things which you put a roof rack on yeah. and you can obviously sleep on the roof with, with some of these tents you know just the ability to mod these things is just so impressive um, and this is a great concept by Ford and like you said Ash, they're going to donate a couple of these to, for guys to be able to use and, and stuff like that so hopefully you know we might even see some follow up down the track from Ford on how they're being used to fight fires and stuff yeah, like that so, that would be great yeah it's, it's really cool to, to see and um, it's stunning in that wildlife sort of green. They've actually got a picture there with a with a bron- early generation Bronco in the same sort of color scheme as well. And yeah, um, yeah, it looks brilliant. Um, and yeah, it's uh, they're also going to donate, um, like you said, some of the money back into. They're also working on another fund as well to to help with wildlife and and um, the national parks and stuff like that. So yeah, it's good to see them returning, you know, and helping others as, uh, where they can. Hmm. Okay, let's go to the next one. Uh, this is this is pretty amazing. Um, so, the HSC. Oh, sorry, not HSC. SSC Turatara. Is it? Is it the right? I don't know how exactly you pronounce it. Tatara. I think he's is kind of what it is but it's a 750 horsepower supercar um, that has just broken the um, speed record set by uh, driven by Ollie Webb uh, who is an American uh, race car driver Brit Brit driver sorry yeah Um, (laughs) you'll upset a few people it's an American car but British driver yeah that was where I got confused Uh, Um, but yeah so reaching a now we know that the Bugatti, Chiron, and Veyron are fast. But the thing is, we've always known that SSC are fast. And um, they've proved it with um, their top speed record of um, 331 miles per hour or on their four, you know, on their there and back again run, which has the average of those two speeds at 316 miles per hour. Now, converting that to kilometers per hour, that's 532 kilometers per hour, the outright top speed, um, which is just just mental, just absolutely insane. It's really, when you think about it. You know, yeah, you think- and the average speed was 580 eight kilometers per hour that's just mind-boggling like we thought um cracking the 400 kilometer um barrier with the bugattis was pretty you know unreal um but yeah (laughs) wow it's just uh that's one hell of a top speed yeah it's impressive stuff that uh that they've you know been able to to accomplish and that someone is still trying to do this you know yeah that, that it is and i think it's in it was even set in the same spot, I think, on on Route One Hundred and Sixty, just outside of mm-hmm. um, Vegas. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, they're using. There seems to be quite a few straight good roads for that because I know that there used to be a couple of other events that are held on those on those roads to try and beat that. Um, you know, to beat that record. But not only was it the fastest production vehicle record, it also set the fastest flying mile on a public road fastest flying kilometer on a public road and highest speed achieved on a public road 
Yeah. And it also um, used standard stock uh, Michelin tyres and um, non-race fuel as well. Um, so that's... Uh, Which is probably American race fuel as well. So yeah. it's like nowhere near as hard as what our octane rating is no. here. So. so they're saying it's um, the engine itself was good for another 20 miles per hour, but the limiting factor... Uh, what was it? I just lost it. Uh, I can't find it now. It's uh, Anyway, they, they knew that they had some more in the car. Um, yeah, the conditions. The conditions. We didn't have six lanes of um, thing... Uh, yeah, I can't read any further of what it is, but basically, yeah, they're saying that the um, the SSC engineers are saying that they're limited by twenty, you know, by the conditions in which they had. They did have to delay their run until a little later in the day because of fog. Um, but yeah, and remarkably, it's a it was just a you know, just but a five point nine liter twin turbo V eight. But it's interesting, um, they've actually previously held the fastest production car record from mm-hmm. 2007 to 2010 with their Ultimate Aero. Uh, it clocked 256 mile an hour. Um, and then it they reclaimed it, um, the world record for SSC with the average of 316. And they're now going to produce just a hundred of these things. Mm. So I'm pretty it just sure feels like be they've they've cracked another barrier. Hey, yeah. um, with it and shows that there's probably a bit more in it if they wanted to run different tires or even race fuel and and go for another type of record. But um, mm. but yeah, remarkable. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. Yeah. Okay. All right. So let's have a little bit of fun before we sign off. We do have another race on tonight for Formula One. Um, but let's. So, so this one is so news that came out was basically that the Fast and Furious franchise will cross the finish line with its eleventh film. So I think we're still waiting on. Um, was it? Fa- we've got another nine, couple. We've got three to go. News, so nine, nine, um, which has been delayed. <laughs> but they're saying that uh, nine is, um, or eleven is going to be the final one, and um, yeah, it, it. But it doesn't. They. Spin-offs are still possible, so like the Hobbs and Shaw film and all that kind of thing is still on the um, on the cards of continuing, but the main storyline is going to come to the end. Um, but so with that in mind, I wanted to sort of see like what would you say is uh, your your pick of the what so far out of the movies? What's your what's your pick of the what's your uh, favorite I don't Fast know, and Ash, Furious I, movie? I, like I'm I'm partial to you know the first one kind of set the scene. Um, yeah. And kind of was like, you know, it was part of that. Uh, it was part of that original feel and whatever else. But I actually, what I really like was actually the short little film that they made in between um, one, one and two. two. Yeah. yeah, they made that little cool little spin-off. I have a also sort of soft spot for Tokyo Drift. Um, yep. Just because it's kind of a little bit different. Um, but then you know they kind of all sort of blur in. To an one into another, it kind of lost. Well, they all way cross times timelines, don't they? They go back in yeah. time, forward in time, and, and, and I'm talking about time travel in terms of the movies themselves. Some are set before Tokyo Drift, some are set after. But it's it's kind of funny how Tokyo Drift was seen as the, um, you know, the odd one out because it wasn't a strict continuation of the story. It at first it was mm-hmm. a spin-off of um of Fast and Furious, but then, but then it became that the intertwining of of the of the films together, yeah. I think was quite nice. Which the- I think was actually quite 
it was very very clever how they tied Tokyo Drift in um, and and essentially allowed the continuity to move forwards with it Um, even though there are some plot holes and other things issues that get brought up but Overall, you kind of, you know, these are movies that you turn your brain off. Um, yeah. And especially but, from the last one, which have just gone, have just got ridiculous, yeah. and I kind of lost, <laughs> right. lost my way. I, I was kind of, I kind of chuckled when I read this release during the week, and kind of thought, thank God they're putting it to bed because it kind of needs, it needs to die. Yeah. Um, it, it's got to a point where it's just got so ridiculous. Um, from, I think, the last one. Um, with Paul Walker, I think he's probably, for me, the the last good one. I think um, seven. Little, yeah, I think there's little bits from from certain ones that I kind of I kind of like. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I think the last one with Paul was, was seven. Um, look, six and seven, I think, are probably more. Of, it's hard. Like it kind of jumps around. There's little bits of each, you know. From I think four is kind of kind of went away when they kind of yeah with that sort of time that sort of timeline and and storyline um but i think uh five six and seven were probably you know probably my kind of favorites um there's some really cool scenes in those and and it's part of uh, it, it kind of lost its way when, when paul walker passed away it it, it lost its um it lost that family feel, you know. Paul had been in it from, you know, he started it. Like he was the sort of star that started it in and introducing the family uh, dynamic into it and everything like that. So when he kind of left the series, it it, it, it kind of didn't have that um, feel anymore, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and they've tried to push on, and, and the last one is just it just doesn't have that. It doesn't have that feel. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so. well, see, for me, Too Fast, Too Furious was the, I think, my favourite for quite a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just, you know, when you look at back now, like those earlier movies were definitely um, perhaps a little little cringy, a little, you know, but I think they did an excellent, you know, they influenced um, car culture here in Australia oh, massively, yeah. like even across other parts of the world, but I know for sure here in Australia um, because we had, you know, we had access to a lot of the JDM cars which they showcased which just weren't available in the US which further, I think, made things quite interesting. Um, but, yeah, it hugely influenced the, the design of um, the aftermarket vehicles and parts and stuff like that because, you know, it was a masterstroke of marketing from the team, you know, the companies that they were getting involved. And, um, yeah, I think that was – but, that you know, I still watch that one every now and again when it comes on TV yeah. and stuff. And, yeah, it is a – you know, it's entertaining. It's, well, it was it's, what a, it's a good entertainment was about. movie. There's some good driving sequences, um, you know, but at the same time it doesn't take itself – too seriously mm. um you know there's some good tongue-in-cheek moments and uh yeah you know and it I doesn't that's it doesn't ask too much from you either i think the tongue-in-cheek moments and the comedy and stuff particularly in um five i think you know there's some great yeah. moments um that, that kind of really set the scene for me in, in terms of just you know that kind of enjoyment um of the of the camaraderie and um and just you know the one-liners and stuff that they they did in it, and 
it kind of yeah, it kind of lost it lost its dynamic when 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 Paul passed. Um, I really enjoyed Hobson Shaw. I, I, it was quite good for yeah. for the spin off that it was. Um, and I read that there's another spin off coming. Uh, yeah, I think there's a female um, lead one which they've got happening. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think uh, as long as they explore those separate stories, there is a rich sort of they built a fairly rich universe in there, and. Um, you know, perhaps maybe don't have... The, you know, it's the same thing that the Marvel comics of, you know, the movies have faced where, you know, they can't keep escalating things in every movie to global events. Like, sometimes you have to take it to, and tone it down. And um, hopefully, you know, they can find that because I think it's a... You know, they've developed as... as paper thin as some of the characters are they're still characters that people can relate to and mm. will still enjoy seeing and they all have their own preferences and sort of stuff and you know yeah. Ludacris his role I think is probably one of the, my favourite in the show just because if he just his you know his comedy you know that, that he he does and even and his role has changed a lot yeah, like his character now is absolutely nowhere near the, the, the character that yeah. it was in in um you know say Too Fast and Furious or anything mm. so yeah it's um but he's still there's still got that personality through it as well yeah. you know Dom's never really never really changed and as I said losing Han and losing well Han he's still effectively you know he could come back because if they do another form of spin off yeah. Again, but, well, I know, think a lot of people want to see Han and um, what's the uh, Gal yeah. Gadot's character, um, Giselle, I think it is. You know, their life in Japan. I think a lot of people wanted to. Yeah, that in between. You know, would like to see from that. when they when they sort of after that scene yeah. where they're driving in the in the LFA. Yeah. Um, you know that the flow on between that and to when Han loses his life in 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 the Tokyo Drift yeah. era, I think would yeah. be another interesting to to see that kind of mm-hmm. spin off in that respect. Um, yeah, and but yeah, the the loss of Paul Walker, I think, kind of really sort of hurt the series, and um, that was kind of after he passed, just losing him from it, just kind of. Beat it off, and the fact that I'm hearing now that they're talking about going to space in one of them, it's just, it's just going, it's just, it, it, how far it's do just, you go? <laughs> yeah, it's gone too far, really. And you look at some of the some of the the trailer for for the next one, F8. Um, it's just kind of like oh, you, you're kind of losing me here. Yeah. Um, you know, I think uh, we're going to have to 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 look at. What else we can see in terms of other sort of areas that uh, we'll have to look for some other cool action stuff to, to take that because this is just getting a little bit out there. <laughs> That's right. Well, I think uh, on that note, we'll um, <laughs> we'll but certainly certainly tell us what your favourite is. We'd love to hear yeah. from you uh, in terms of what you think you. You know, do you have a favourite? Is there a standout one for you that is the best? Is there one that you can't stand or you've never watched because you just can't bring yourself to watch it? I know some people have never seen Tokyo Drift. Some have never seen Too Fast, Too Furious. Um, you know, watch Tokyo Drift if you haven't watched it because yeah. you didn't think. You know, definitely watch it. I think it's um, it is a little bit. Even now, it is still I think a bit underrated as a as yes, a film definitely. in that series. Um, and I think you know that just the fact that with with the drifting and everything that that's in it, um, you know, it's it it is just a little bit different uh, for what it is. Um, you know, it, it's it's interesting. Um, or like I said, you know, we we're talking before about. Uh, I think I said 
Fast Eight is the next one. It's actually Fast. It's F Nine is the next mm. one, and that's the return of Han from what we've seen. So Han's already back, oh, even though he's right. kind of yeah. kind of dead. I have to go and rewatch that trailer. Yeah, I know because everything got delayed and they pushed it back. We've forgotten what's actually happening in that. Um, and I think the other thing is we're also seeing it's not just um, uh, it's not just Han that's back. I think we're also seeing. Um, the other young guy from Tokyo Drift, I think he's also oh, back right. as okay. well. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's going to be quite interesting. I'm going to have to watch this trailer now. Yeah. <laughs> Remind um, myself. Yeah, so I'm intrigued to see. I mean, if effectively, if they're brought harm back and it's kind of present day, what does that do to the timeline of everything and everything yeah. else? So, That's true. Um, so, yeah, I think it's interesting. But, yeah, certainly, you know... Oh, and it does have John email, Cena, that's right. Reach out to us on, on social and tell us yeah. what's your favourite. You know, what would you... What are you hoping to see in the future? And, yeah, we'd love to hear from you and, and get your thoughts on, on the series. And Are you sad that it's ending or do you want it to keep going? And, um, you know, like that wonderful joke in at the end of 22 Jump Street where they keep counting up 23, 24, yeah, 25. You know, that's right, un, yeah. un, Unbelievable numbers that you can keep going to. What else would you like to see them do in the remaining sort of three films um, that we haven't seen um, them do it do already? Yeah. Uh, so you can do that. Reach out to us on social media or send us an email, shows at dailyautofix.com. And you can also, yeah, if you have any questions about cars, what you know, anything you'd like us to review or what you're looking at, always um, you can reach out to us and we'll be happy to, to talk about it on a future episode. Um, but look... I think it's going to be another big week of news. Um, there's, it seems to be ramping up towards the end of the year, even though sometimes it likes to quieten down, but I think a lot of car makers have been holding on to car launches um, during COVID. So now's the time that they're going to start pushing those out ahead of next year. And um, so, yeah, stay tuned for that when we come out with another episode next week. And we've got um, silly seasons in motorsport to keep an eye on. That's so right. We'll keep you updated yeah. on as soon as we hear uh, who's going where and... Uh, Who's going? Who's going to have a drive, and who won't next year? That's right. Well, until then, um, stay safe, have a great week, and um, yeah, thanks, Joel at Jostrick Photo. If you want to follow him, thanks, Ash. We'll uh, we'll speak to you all next week. Sounds good. See you then. Yeah.